Right. Good morning, everyone. Good out of Shabbos. Good out of Yamtiv. Tonight is Yutas Kislev. Yutas and Chav Kislev. We dedicate this class our brothers and sisters, the Holy Land, especially those in the front line. We all the injured have a full thousands, unfortunately, tragically, over 2,000 injured. We all have a full and speedy recovery, and all the hostages return home safely. And Lili Nishmas. We left off in the third chapter of Baba Kamna, page 29a on the top. So it said in our Mishnah, we have an argument between the rabbis and Abu Yehuda. If a person, if a person leaves his, um, if a person, uh, his barrel or his, his jug broke in the street, in the public, and um, someone slipped on the water, the content spilled out, or, or so, or the broken pieces, someone slipped on one of the broken pieces. So the Tanakhama says, he liable. Buddha says, no, only, only liable if he had intention, if it was intentional. Not if it wasn't intentional. So you might have tried to explain, what does it mean, intentional or unintentional? So Rabbi said, if he intentionally placed placed the, the jar, the jug on the, you know, plant, set it down on the street illegally, then he liable. But if he didn't, let's say he tripped and it fell, it wasn't his fault, he didn't place it there intentionally, he didn't, he didn't drop it intentionally. Then he's exempt. He intended to put it down. He wasn't careful, and it slipped out of his hand, or he tripped, and it fell. And it's his problem. You have to be responsible. You have to be careful. But if it wasn't his fault, and it just fell out of his hand, you can't hold him responsible. Anyone, you know, breaks his head or something happens. So it means a mayor, the, the Tanakama hold, the rabbis hold. No, a mayor holds that you're responsible, even if it's here an accident. How could that be? We have a general rule in the Torah. If someone rapes a woman, she's married, she's not an adulteress, she was raped. It's not her fault. Taylor doesn't, if an oinus, Taylor doesn't hold you responsible. The actions are not attributable to you. So if, if he was holding the barrel and he was walking around responsibly and something happened and it fell, it wasn't his fault, how could he hold him responsible for the damages that result from the broken pieces or the content that spilled? How could, how could, any, how could a mayor argue with that? So if, and he says, if you want to make a distinction, maybe the mayor says the Torah only exempts the case of rape. In other words, she's exempt, she's not an adulteress, so she doesn't get a capital punishment. When it comes to money, you're always responsible, even for, even for an accident. Because you can't, can't say that. Because we learn clearly, we learn clearly that if a person, we learn in the Braise, that if a person's uh, uh, jar, jug, broke, and he didn't remove it, or his camel fell, uh, collapsed, and he didn't re- lift up the camel and, and move the camel out of the way, and then someone came and got hurt. Rabbi Meir says, you're liable. Rabbi say you're exempt. The court, exempt in the laws of the court, and the laws of Hashem, you're, you're liable. And then he explains that everyone agrees, even the rabbi, the Gita, Meir, that if you left your, 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 uh, if you left your, um, your stone or your knife or your package by the edge of the roof, and then a gentle, normal wind came and blew it off, blew it off the edge. Of course you're liable. It's to be expected. It should have been expected. And the mayor would also agree with the rabbis that you're exempt, you're, you're not. If 
if you placed uh, you placed the drugs on the on the roof of jars to, to, to dry out. And then a, a unusual wind came, a gust of wind, which is unexpected. The radio, the, the radio said, the, the weatherman said, it's going to be nice weather. And all of a sudden, a gust of wind came out of nowhere and blew it off. Everyone holds your exam. So you see, even financial matters, the principle of oinus, if it's not your fault, you can't hold you responsible, even for financial damage. So no one argues with this principle. So how do you explain so Rabbi's explanation of the mission of the Mechavan, the Enemiskavan? That if it's his fault versus Enemiskavan, if he didn't plan to lower it down and it just happened because some, something out of the blue, how could Rabbi Meir argue with Rabbi Huda and say, you are liable? Ella, rather, Rabbi, this is where we left off. The sixth line from the top, 29a. Look, they look at Rabbi, rather, Rabbi says, they're arguing, and Meir and Rabbi Huda are arguing on two things. They're arguing if, if it did damage while it was falling down. While it was falling down, it hit someone. And they're arguing after, after it fell down and someone stumbled in it or slipped or... You know, if he didn't remove, he didn't remove it. So he explains. While he was falling down, while he was placing it down, he's, 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 he's negligent. He didn't, he didn't look at the way, you know, he wasn't careful how he put it down. He slipped, he tripped, he didn't watch. You're putting something down, you can't keep your heads in the heaven and the stars. You have to look down and make sure that you're safe. So, that someone who slipped, who tripped, he's, he's negligent. He should have watched. He's not negligent. Because a person has a head in the sky. He's not looking at the ground. He's not an animal who walks on four and his head is glued to the ground. So it wasn't his fault. He tripped. He, yeah, he was lowering it down and then it tripped. What do you want from his life? It's not his fault. So then as it fell and the, and the jar, the jug fell and it hit someone, hurt someone, you can't hold him responsible. It's an illness. And Amir says, no, he's negligent. He should have looked. And also, Pligi, they're arguing, if he left it there, he doesn't collect it, pick it up, pick up the broken pieces or, or mops up the, the water, you know, dries up the water, no one should slip. He just leaves it there. So the argument is, if someone makes it ownerless, if you left something in the public domain and then you, and then you made it ownerless, are you responsible for the results? It's like boy, right? You dig a pit and you're responsible for all the results. So even though you made it on the list, it's not yours, it's no longer yours, it doesn't matter. It dro- you dropped it, you are responsible to pick it up. To clean up, no. That since you made it ownerless, it's no longer yours. It's not your responsibility. Let the sanitation department come and clean it up. It's not my problem. What am I? Where does Rabbi get this from? Rabbi arguing on both of these things. Maybe only arguing on one. The damage happened while the drug was falling. You know, how do I know they argue in both, in both halachas? The mother says, but since the, the Mishnah spells out, there are two ways that the, the, uh, they cause damage. Either 
the content of the jug spilled out, the water spilled out, and someone slipped on the water, or someone uh, the, the the jug itself broke into pieces and someone slipped over the over one of the pieces. The question is, I know how. Why does the Mishnah have to give us two examples? One example is enough. It's the same thing. Surely, this is what the Mishnah say. While it was falling out, while it was falling, the water spilled out and caused damage. Or one of the pieces that was left there, he didn't clean up. That's what the Mishnah says. It's not just giving two examples of the same thing. In other words, what's the difference how a person slipped? The content, the, the pieces of the jug. No, he's telling us two different things. If while it fell, it hurt someone, or the fact that he left it there and later on someone came and slipped in it, and they're arguing, in both cases they're arguing. So you might ask, some of the Masnissim Betarti, if the mission is talking about two cases, Braisen Ami Betarti. So then the Braisen also gives two examples. If your drug broke and you didn't pick it up, or if your camel collapsed in the street and you just left him there. So you have to say, probably the Braisa, also you're explaining why you have to give two examples. Not two examples, talking about two different things. Uh, one of them is when it did damage while it fell, and the other one did damage, the fact you left it there. Okay, the jog I can understand. Because you can get hurt while the jug is falling down, it, it lands on someone, <laughs> hurts someone, on someone's leg or something, or after after it fell and you left it there and someone slipped in it. Ella, Gemala, camel, bitch, let me not have to fill Makes sense. Okay, you left the camel there, lying there, and someone tripped over it. How? You left it on a list. It, it, it died. The camel collapsed and died, and you left him there. I don't care about the carcass. So, anyone who wants it takes it. But meanwhile, you left the camel lying there. Even if you hold that a person should have been careful, he should have looked and watched. And therefore, if he slipped while he was lowering the. Uh, while he was lowering the uh, the jug, he's responsible. He slipped and fell, but the camel dropped dead. How can you hold him responsible? Into this explanation, the Mishnah means the means miskaven if he intends to break it, the the jar, and then someone gets hurt, you're liable. But if he didn't, Buddha says he's not, he's not and then he just tripped and he, it fell out of his hands. He's not reliable. He's not liable. He doesn't have to pay. And, and, and even if he leaves it there, he's also not liable. This ass, I don't understand. Well, what's the question of the Gemara? The way, same way you explain the mission. That the, the, the jug fell. It hurt so, and the water either, while it was falling, it spilled out and ruined someone's clothing. Dirty water, I don't know, whatever it was. Or maybe... As soon as it fell, as soon as the water fell, before he had a chance to mop it up, someone came and slipped. That's one case. And the second case is the broken pieces, talking about where he left it there and he walked away, and a day later someone came and slipped. 
So we are also. What's the problem? Exactly. That's why he brings two examples, two cases. One case is if the barrel from the from the drug itself, and that's when it's falling. And the other one is that he let the camel. The camel, you can't argue, you can't say that, uh, well, you should have watched. What do you mean you should have watched? Okay, the camel dropped dead. He left it there, and the next day, someone, just, someone tripped over the camel. Well, what's the mother's question? How do you find? Why is he held responsible for the camel? You know, we're not talking about it holding responsible. The camel drops dead, and he falls and lands and so on. Of course, he's not held responsible. The question is, leaving him there, you know? What's the mother's question? The answer is just, firstly, probably a carcass you're not going to make ownerless. Because a carcass is expensive, it has value. You know, it has money, you know, a dead car for the pieces, it has value. But a, a broken jar, jug, well, he's not going to make it on the list. <laughs> what's he needed for? Broken pieces, what's he going to He's going to preserve it. So, on the kind of it makes sense that the jug he left. And the damage, and that's what he's discussing. And the, the camel is while it fell. You didn't leave, you wouldn't leave it in the streets. While it fell, or immediately after it fell, before he had a chance, he came around. So, so he says, how can you hold him responsible? The camel dropped dead in there. What do you want from his life? He can't hold him to shale. So why, why would anyone say, why would everyone say he's liable? And why would a, why would a mayor say he's liable? Makes no sense. Or he says, another answer is his is, because he says in the in the argument I made in the Braise, he says that he left his he left his jar. His jar fell and he left it. In other words, each case is talking about both damages. That the jar or the jar while it was falling, it could have done, done damage or immediately, and also he left it there for the long haul. And then the next day so on. So the case of the camel is similar. It's also both both examples, both cases. Not only that he left it, if he left it there and someone tripped the next day, but that the camel did damage while it was collapsing. How can you hold him responsible? How can you make it all responsible? That's the mother's question. answers. The Bryce is talking about you going the order of Maya, the Shrata, the Nara. The camel, he was crossing a river, a water. So the river. The river was covering the road. The water was covering the road. So therefore, because he couldn't see the road, because it was covered with water, so he didn't see the obstacle. So the, the camel tripped and died. So mayor says, you're responsible. Why are you, why are you taking the road which you can't even watch? You can't even see where you're going. So, so it's your fault. You shouldn't have taken the camel on such a road where you can't even watch. You can't even... So it's your problem. Say, so, so even if the camel does damage immediately before you had a chance to remove it, or while the camel collapsed, it's your fault. If there's another road, there's another way. Of course, Pesheo. Even the rabbis would agree to, to that mayor. Everyone would agree. There wouldn't be any argument. Even the rabbis would agree with that mayor. Why would the rabbis argue in such a case? And if there is no other road, there was no other way, honestly, what can he do? He has to get from here to there. There was a flood, and the, all the roads are covered. What should he do? It's not his fault. Ella, rather, we find this. The way to explain the Braise is a person was going, and his camel was, he was pulling his camel. And he wasn't paying attention to the road. And he collapsed. He, he tripped. And because he tripped, 
the camel also tripped, fell on him and tripped on him because of he, and therefore he died. So he's responsible. The mayor says he should have watched where he's walking. And the rabbi say, what do you mean? He was thinking about the daffy. The daffy was learning. He was thinking, he was learning Tanya by heart. Dillenbart, Mishnayas Balpe, he wasn't, his head is in the stars. He's not, he's not an animal for, his head is glued to the earth. It's not his fault. So he was, that wasn't his responsibility that he tripped and fell, and therefore his, his camel tripped on him and fell and died. It's not his responsibility. Okay, the mother says, he's explaining the mission, the argument that may not be who that means Miskavin. So he says, Miskavin. That if, only if he's miscaven, then if he has intention to break it or to leave it there, then he's responsible. The mother says, If a person, if we're talking about a case where a person left it on her list, what do you mean miscaven? What do you mean he has intention? What do you mean he has intention? It means if he made it on the list, the mission should have said that. Buddha says if he made, rendered it on the list, just left it there free for all. That Buddha says he's he's responsible. What's that have to do with the, with the miskavim intention? Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael said miskavim was like it's means his intention was not to make it on it, to, to hold on to it. Then he's liable because it's his money, it's his property. He left his property on the street in the public, and someone tripped over it. So then he's responsible. Versus ain't a miskaven. If he makes it on the list, he renders it on the list. It's not his. It's not his responsibility. He's exempt. And the mayor says no. It is. You're not exempt. Just like a pit. You think a pit is not yours either in the public in the street, and you're responsible. So to all you're responsible. Rabbi explains the argument. I made it differently. Says It's a whole argument. I made it only. While it fell down, immediately when it fell, he didn't have a chance to pick it up. The argument is, if it's his fault that he stumbled and fell, you should have watched where he's going. And Mary says, it's your fault. Buddha says, it's not my fault. According to Rabbi Lazar, what if you left it there? What are you saying? There is no argument. Everyone holds your exam. He could have made the Mechayim. We know that mayor from the Braitha, not from the mission, the Braitha that recorded earlier, that mayor says you're liable. Because you should have removed it. What do you have to say? You can say everyone agrees, even Abihuda agrees, that if you left it there and then the next day someone fell, tripped over it, you're liable. You can abandon the path, but in the Braitha, the rabbis disagree. So why does Abhilaza say they're only arguing if it did damage while it fell? After it fell, there's consensus. There's unanimity, unanimity what Allah is. We see in the Brayse, there's not unanimity. The Brayse discusses, and he left it there, and then someone trips. We have an argument between the mayor and the rabbis. The mayor says, you're responsible. The rabbi says, you're not. Not in court. Hashem, you're responsible. But not in court. So, so what's Rabbi Loza saying? El So what does Rabbi Loza mean? B'Shas Nefila, it means Av B'Shas Nefila. So we and Then he's telling us like Abaya. What's our beloved coming to teach us? So that's the Gemara says he's coming to tell us like Abaya that in the Brais, the Brais, I would only know that they're arguing if he left it there. He left it. He didn't clean up after. And the next day, someone came and tripped. The mayor says you're responsible because you left it there, even though even though he rendered it on the list. And the rabbi, the rabbi said you're exempt. 
But how do I know the? That's what Abelard is saying. No, the mission is saying they're arguing also even in the case of it the damage while it fell, or, or the moment it fell, you didn't even have a chance to clean up yet. Another opinion. So he's saying like a buyer. Abelard is basically saying like a buyer. He's not arguing that. He's coming to clarify. Af. We continue on side B, 29, 29B. The argument is only after it fell. So what? Are you saying this consensus is unanimity when it comes, if it did damage before you had a chance to clean up? What are you going to say? According to everyone, you're exempt. Even a mayor would say you're exempt. Of the comment, Rabbi Echnon, Kamu Rabbi Echnon says later on in the tractate, we're going to learn later. The Mishnah, Rabbi Echnon is commenting on the Mishnah. The Mishnah says two people are walking and carrying, they're carrying, they're carrying their barrels or their pots. And one bumps into the other. No, no, the, the first one tripped and fell, and the second one falls over him. And the Mishnah said that the first one, the owner of the part of the first one, is responsible for the damages of the second one. Don't say that Meiri, this is the opinion that Meiri said. That if you, if you fell, if you tripped, it's your fault, you should watch where you're going. So you're responsible for the Danny damages that you caused for the one who tripped over you and his barrel broke. There's a way to explain the Mishnah in a different way. As we'll learn, we're going to learn soon. It's, 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 you're going to see it in two pages ahead. But what do we see from there? Mekal that Rameir Mechayir. Rameir says, Yechayir. Rameir holds clearly, Niska Mechayu. That if you slipped, it's no excuse. And you fell, and it, and it broke. And while it, while it was falling, it did damage. Or right after it fell, before you had a chance to clean up with the damage, you're responsible. So you can't say that, that there's no argument, because everyone holds that you're exempt. Rameir says, you're liable. Elamai, you're going to want to say, that everyone agrees unanimously. There's, there's no argument. There's a consensus. And if it did damage while it fell, before you had a chance to clean up, you everyone holds out while you're liable because you should have watched where you're going. But how can you say that? We just quoted says This is only the opinion of Rameir, meaning the rabbis argue with him. It's not consensus. So again, why? So no, no, did you say who was? Ella, rather, a one is coming to teach me the mafkin, the zak of the hoch, the patria bondon, donusu, the mafkin, the zak of the alma. Mechai. Really, Rabbi Echnon holds that they're arguing in both cases. Shabbos, Shabbos, they're arguing whether, whether while it's falling or afterward. But it's coming, Rabbi Echnon is coming to teach me. That in this case, that only in our case do the rabbis say that if you made it ownerless, you're exempt. Why? Because the honest since it wasn't his fault that he fell. He fell, he tripped, he, was, he wasn't looking, it wasn't his fault, it's not his responsibility. And then he leaves it, and then he renders it ownerless, and then so on. Then the rabbis say you're, you're exempt. Avol, a mafkin, the zok of the alma. 
No one forced you. You just placed your obstacle in the middle of the street, and then you walked away. You made it onerous. In that case, everyone agrees you're liable. That's a bit He's saying that this, it doesn't mean he's not coming to, to exclude, but while it fell, and before you had a chance to clean up, there, there is no argument. Of course there's an argument. Abiyechen himself said there's an argument. On the principle whether you're liable for slipping in the first place. It's your responsibility. Of course there's an argument. But he's coming to exclude is. He says, when do the rabbis say, when do we say it's an argument? If it fell, after it fell, and you left it there, and you made it ownerless, and we said it's an argument, and Mary says, it's like a bird that you, you dug, and you're, you're responsible, even though you made it ownerless. And the, and the rabbis say, no, it's ownerless. It's the, it's the city's problem. It's not my problem anymore. When, when is this? Only in this example, this scenario, where before he made it on the list, how did it end up in the street? Because he fell. Mm-hmm. So he fell, he said, ah, you know, I'm going to leave it there already. The broken pieces, I'm just going to leave it there. But if he just placed it there, that's reckless and irresponsible, endangerment. Then even the rabbis would agree you're liable. What is it? Where we learn, Mavkin, the Chosso, someone makes. His, uh, it makes, he's in the public domain and he makes it ownerless. He leaves something there that oh, he left it there. One says, Chayef. And the one who made it ownerless is liable. Just like if you dig a pit, you created an obstacle in the street. Even though it's not yours, it doesn't give you, you know, you're liable and responsible for all damages. Hadam one says, but uh, because he says that's the opinion that holds that oh, when are you responsible for a pit if you own the pit? Let's say you dug a pit and you had a right to dug it, dig a pit because it was in your property. Then you rendered the pro- then you rendered it ownerless, all around it ownerless. So it became a public thoroughfare. So therefore, then the Torah says the Torah says that you're responsible. But if you make it. If you make the make if it's if it's not yours or it's ownerless, then you're not responsible. So over here also, you might say, "Why say the man the Why are they making it their own arguments? If Rabbi Yechon and Rabbi discovered America, and they're making a whole new argument, this is the argument that made and the and the rabbis. So let them just say, let them say clearly, Rabbi Yechon. One of them says the law is like Rabbi Meir, like we explained Rabbi Meir in the Braise. It says it clearly in the Braise that since you didn't remove the, the broken pieces and someone trips of it the next day, Rabbi Meir says you're liable. And and the other one should say the law follows the rabbi. He says no, in a court of law you're exempt. Of course, Hashem, you're gonna have to answer to Hashem because it's immoral what you did. But but in the court of law, financially we can't hold you responsible. But it says no. Rather, I'll leave it Rabbi Meir According to Rabbi Meir, no one is arguing. Because Rabbi Meir, according to Rabbi Meir, if you don't clean up after you, even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't your fault, Rabbi Meir holds, Rabbi Meir holds that even if it wasn't your fault, let's say uh, uh, someone came and knocked you down, someone came and pushed you, and you fell, and whatever you were carrying, the drug you were carrying, fell and broke. But if you make it ownerless and you walk away, that man says you can't walk away. At the end of the day, it's your drug, it's your broken pieces, you have to sweep it up. It's your responsibility. And if you don't, anything that happens, you're going to pay. 
You're going to be sued. So surely, if it was your fault that you fell, you weren't careful and you fell, of course, if you placed it there, of course, of course you're going to pay. There's no question. The argument, the argument in Rabbi Yechon and Beloza is what's the opinion of the rabbis? Man, the potter, the one who says you're exempt, holds like the rabbis. That he says, and even though, that he says even if it was your fault, you placed it there, it was your fault that it, that it fell and you left it there. But nevertheless, since you made it ownerless, you're exempt. Even the one that says you're liable, even according to the rabbis, the only time the rabbis say you're exempt, like in our case, for the other suit. That, 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 like, like Rabbi, that's what Rabbi Loza said. I'm sorry, Rabbi Yechonon. Rabbi Yechonon says that, that you're only liable when did the rabbi say if you make it ownerless. So if he, if he, uh, so according to Rabbi Yechonon, Rabbi Yechonon said, when did the rabbi say if you make it ownerless, you're exempt. We can't be sued. That's only if it wasn't your fault that it fell. You tripped and it fell. But if you left it there intentionally, and then and then you make it on a list that you can't do, even the rappers are That's the argument in the and the blood. I don't have to look at the album, but I you want this time, I'll bring your proofs. I'm a blazer, the one who says, Hi, you're liable. There are two things that are not in your property that don't belong to you. But nevertheless, but Hashem made it as if it is in your property. Hashem considers it, even though really, legally, it's not in your property, it's not yours. But Hashem holds you responsible as if it is yours. What are these two things? If you dig a pit in the street, it's not your street doesn't belong to you, it's public. But since you dug the pit, you take ownership of anything that happens. It's as if you own it and you're responsible. And after 11 o'clock, when the rabbis say you're not allowed to even benefit from the chumbins, not only aren't you allowed to eat, you're not allowed to even benefit from the chumbins. Biblically, it starts at 12 o'clock. You're not allowed to eat or benefit from the chumbins. Rabbinically, it starts an hour earlier. So if you don't benefit from it, so technically, I don't violate chumbins anymore. Because the Torah says, I'm not allowed to have my own chametz in my house. If I have a goy's chametz in my house, someone, it's not mine. It's not my responsibility. The Torah only bans. The Torah doesn't ban, I can't see chametz. You can't have your chametz. If a goy's chametz is sitting on my shelf, I have no problem. It's not mine. If you work, a goy's should work, comes into your place, and he's eating his lunch, he's eating his bread. What's the problem? Your maid comes, she eats a sandwich. It's hers. I'm not violating chametz. When it says don't see chametz and don't have chametz, it shouldn't be found. Yours. It's not mine. So technically, no chametz is yours. By definition. Since he can't eat it and since he can't benefit from it, it's no longer yours. What do you mean mine? Mine means I own it. How do you demonstrate that ownership? If you can't touch it, you can't use it, you can't benefit from it, it's not mine. What do you mean it's mine? I call my name on it. What, I'm going to hang up a plaque? It's mine. I, I have no way of expressing ownership. I can't do anything with it. I can't touch it. So it's not yours. You're not an owner. You have no ownership over it. You can't use it. You can't benefit from it. So technically, automatically, a Jew, by definition, can't violate the prohibition of having chametz. It's not my chametz. 
Torah says that since it was Yechama, it's before 11 o'clock. Biblically before 12 o'clock. Therefore, it's yours. It's yours, and you are violating, it's your Chametz. You take ownership. Yeah, yeah, the same with... But this Tayyim, it's a proof. That's a proof. Lazar is the one who says that... Uh, he can't disown it. He can't disown We just said Rabbi Yechelen is the one who said that opinion. We said that that's what Rabbi Yechelen is saying. We explained that it means to say that only in a case like this, he's not coming to exclude that if 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 it does damage while it falls down or before you had a chance to clean up, there is no argument. Rabbi Yechelen himself said there's an argument. He means he's coming to exclude that only in a case like this, where he fell by accident, it wasn't his fault that he fell, and he left it there, then the rabbis say you're exempt in court, in the court of law. But in the case where you placed it intentionally, then you do. So, and now he's saying, no, Nabalaza is the one who says, according to the rabbis, you're liable in such a case. Rabbi Yechelen argues, says you're exempt. But he just said, Rabbi Yechelen is the one who said it. And the mother finishes this time, it's approved. Nabalaza holds you high, and Rabbi Yechelen holds the rabbis, according to the rabbis, you're exempt. Taisa says, because Rabbi Yechelen never said it openly. They just deduced, they deducted that that's what he said. I still don't understand how he answers the question. We say, how are you going to explain Rabbi Yechonon's words? really say that if that if you render it ownerless, if you just render it ownerless, there was no accident, nothing. You intentionally went ahead and placed your, st- your things there. And you rendered it ownerless. In that case, the rabbis would say you're liable. You can't render it ownerless. Only if it, it fell by accident and then you walked away from it, then the rabbis say, How could you say that? We see Rabbi Lazar said the exact opposite. Now we learn the Mishnah later on. We're going to learn in the next Mishnah. In, 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 in two Mishnahs, we're going to learn. If there was a dung of an animal that was ownerless and he uh, and he moved it around from one place to another, and then and then someone tripped over it and got hurt, the one who turned it over or moved it from place to place, not the one who left it there, the original one. Because by moving it, by lifting it up and moving it around, now you own it. And you're responsible for all the consequences. That this mission is only, only if he intended he intended to acquire it by lifting it up. They moved it. They intended to acquire it, you know, as, as fertilizer. It's, it's valuable. Avol in the scavon has been. If he didn't intend to own it, well, Potter, because it's ownerless, it's not his. Alma, we see him after the zok of Potter, even intentionally. If intentionally, it wasn't an accident. He lifted it up intentionally, moved it from place to place, and as a result, someone got it. But since it's ownerless, he's exempt. Rabbi Lazar clearly holds, according to the rabbis, even in such a case, even if it wasn't an accident, you did it intentionally, but as long as it's ownerless, you're exempt. Rabbi Lazar says, you're right. 
He says, no, really, Rabbi Lazar holds. If you make it ownerless, you really are liable, like, like we said earlier. But here we're talking about a case. The Mishnah there is talking about He moved it, but then he returned it back to its original place. So therefore, it's as if he never touched it. He's returning it back. So it's not the same case. He's like, he's like restoring it to its original state. The dung, that wasn't his. He didn't, he didn't cause it. It wasn't his animal. It wasn't his dung. So yeah, he moved it, but then he returned it back. So since he doesn't own it, if he would have intended to own it, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't help that he returned it back to its original state. Now it's yours. You, you took ownership, so it's your problem. But since he didn't, and he returned it back to its original place, he moved it, and then he moved it back. Therefore, we just restored it to its original status. It's not my dung. So I'm not responsible. So even though he didn't intentionally, but he didn't. He just restored it back to its original, to restore it back to its original state before he even moved it. So I'm out of the picture now. So now the first owner is responsible, not me. I'll give you a parable to help understand Rabbi's point. It's like a it's like a someone finds an open pit in the street, in the public, and he covers it. I asked the question for both of us. Afterwards, then he goes ahead and removes the cover. Is he responsible? No. It wasn't his pit. He found the pit open. He did a favor and he covered it. He removes it. I didn't dig the pit. I'm just restoring it to the way it was. Mm-hmm. So to over here, he moved the dung, but then he returned it back. So he's like out of the picture, as if he didn't do anything. How could you compare the two cases? Awesome over there, at least like my sedition. The first one, the bird, the pit was always there. The pit that he dug, he didn't, he didn't fill the pit. The pit is there. He just covered it. So he removed the cover. But the original action is intact. Over here, however, he removed, he removed the dung. So now by bringing it back, you, the entire action is you, is attributable to you. So you should be held responsible. Holy Dumb, if you want to bring an, an, an analogy, it's, it's, it's the only analogous thing. Ella, it's only He found the pit. It was dug, open pit in the street, and then he filled it up with sand. Then he went and dug it up again. The first one, that's gone. That original pit is gone. Now you went ahead and dug it up. You can't say, well, I'm restoring it to its original status. No, it's your pit. So therefore, you should be held responsible if you return the dung. And according to your opinion that says that even if it's ownerless, but if you, you did it intentionally, you are responsible. Elam Ravashi, Ravashi says, Rabbi says, you're exempt over there. What it meant to say is, when he lifted it up, he didn't lift up three tvachim, a little more than nine inches. He lifted it up, but not more than nine inches, so it's still attached to its original. It's as if it didn't move, it's as if it didn't change places. But if he had intention to pick it up and to acquire it, so the act of lifting it up, then it's yours. But if he not, 
If not, it never left the place. Because it's still three inches, it's levud. It's less than three inches, it's still attached, it's, it never moved. It never moved places. So it's not like the pit and he filled it up and then he redug it. No, never, the same original pit, never moved places. But if he acquired it, if he intended to acquire it, then now it's yours. Why would Ablaza want to explain the Mishnah? We're talking about a case so far fetched. The Mishnah means, when does the Mishnah mean that you're liable? He says, if you lift it up less than that. Why don't you say the Mishnah is talking about if you lifted it up more than three inches, not less than three inches, and then it doesn't matter if his intention is to acquire it or not. Why do you say the Mishnah is talking about only if he acquired it? And then, and, but if he doesn't acquire it, then he's, then he's exempt. And the only way to make that distinction is if he lifted up less than three inches. The Mishnah says he lifted it up. So it's talking about a normal case, he lifted up three inches. And then you can say no matter what his intention is, even if his intention was not to acquire it, it doesn't matter. Once you lift it up, it, you, you, you removed it. Now you're creating it again. You return it back, you're creating it again. So my look at Rabbi look me trouble the person and then he has to say, In all cases, you're liable. Because he found the mission very difficult. The language in the mission. Why does the mission say, He turned it over. The mission is say, He lifted up the dung. He didn't lift it up. The mission is very clear in the language. Very precise. He did not lift it up. He just turned it over. Turned it over means he never lifted it above three inches. Uh, above nine inches. Above three twelve. And therefore, they, they, therefore, he has to make a distinction. And he's only liable only because, because he intended to acquire it. But if he didn't intend to acquire it, he would be exempt. Because he didn't change places. Now we establish intentionally how can you say that? But now we learn later on in the Mishnah. In the next Mishnah, we're going to learn the person hides a thorn or glass in the street, in the public domain. And or he makes his wall full of thorns. And God does enough, or his wall, his, his stone wall fell, collapsed into the street. And he didn't remove it. And someone got hurt in the thorns or in the stone. The owner is responsible for everything. When did the rabbi say, I built my wall, it's my wall, it's my property. I built in my private property, I made a wall out of thorns. Why Why do the rabbis say you have to pay? Why does the mission say you, you're responsible? When 
it was it stuck out it extended the thorns were past your private property yes yeah your wall is in the private property but the thorns were sticking out into the private property so like digging a pit in the streets and then someone walked by and he scratched himself and he got hurt but if it's clear there isn't a single uh, end of the thorn that's out sticking out it's in my private property Father, who, who gives you a right to, to walk with my private property? You should be careful. So, my time apart. Now, let, let, let the mothers clarify. If it's exactly on the borderline, why is he exempt? Lal, surely is not. It was like digging a pit in your own property. Yes, I created an obstacle, but it's in my property. Mm-hmm. And Rabbi Echonon would hold, Rabbi Echonon holds, you're only liable if you dig a pit in the street. But if you dig a pit in your private property, even though it's next to the street, it's literally border, on the borderline of the street. It doesn't matter, you're exempt. That you're liable if you dig a pit in the street, it wasn't yours, it's not yours. And you do it, but since you did it intentionally, and you dug a pit, you're liable. So we see clearly Rabbi Yechanan says, Rabbi Yechanan says that everyone would hold, the rabbis would hold, that if you dig a pit in the, intentionally in the street, you're liable. Even though it's ownerless, it's not yours. When did the rabbis say that if it's ownerless, you're exempt? If it wasn't your fault, you tripped and fell and you decided to leave the broken pieces. I don't have time for this. You know, let, let the sanitation department cl- uh, clean it up. Then the rabbis say, hey, in a court of law, you can't be held responsible because it's ownerless, it's not yours. And it wasn't your fault that you fell. But if you go ahead intentionally and place something, an obstacle, and then and you don't remove it, and then someone comes and slips. Like you're digging a pit, like digging a pit. The Torah says you're responsible. So how could you say, according to Rabbi Eichanan, you're exempt in all cases? According to the rabbis, as long as it's ownerless, even if you did it intentionally, you'd be exempt. And according to the rabbis, a pit, you're only liable if you dug it within it's your pit. And you own it, it's not ownerless. And then you... You made the, you made the area around it. You gave it away to the public, and now it became a public thoroughfare. And the pit is yours, and then you're responsible. But if the pit is not yours, you're not liable. Here, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Echnon says the exact opposite. The Gemara answers, That really, I would tell you, Rabbi Echnon holds. That you're exempt in all cases. If it's ownerless, you're exempt. Even even if you left it there intentionally. But mitzamtzim, my time of potter, why are you exempt? If you make it in your property. If that's the case, then bird means that you you made the bird in you. It's yours in your property, and then you're liable. So here you build it, this uh, wall of thorns on the borderline, you should be held responsible. Why does Rabbi Yechner say you're exempt? 
He says only if the thorns stick out, only then are you liable. We learn. It's not normal for people to scratch their back on walls. People don't do that. So that's because he made a wall of thorns. As long as it's in his property, he can't be held responsible. So if someone walks right next to the wall and he got scratched up, it's his own fault. It's not normal. So therefore, you can't. I can't be held responsible. But really, Rabbi Echenen holds that um, if you make it ownerless, even if you left it intentionally, you're exempt, according to the rabbis. And a bird, also, if you dig a pit in the public domain, it's not yours, you're exempt. It's only if you dig it in your property that you like. But still, how can you say Rabbi Echenen says that even if you place it there? And you left it intentionally, you're, you're liable, you're exempt. Whoever, whoever the Mishnah says Allah without bringing an argument, even though we know there is an argument, it means that the Mishnah decided this is the law. So therefore, he doesn't even bother to bring a dissenting opinion. He just says this is the law. He just brings it as, a, as if this is the consensus, as if it's unanimous, because this is the law. And we learn it, Nan. We learn. We're going to learn later on. If you dig a pit in the street, it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. It's the public street. And you dig a pit. It says you're liable. And he doesn't even bring an argument. This is the halacha. So Rabbi Yechon himself says this is the halacha. The halacha is that if it's ownerless, it doesn't matter. You're liable because you dug it, you placed it. So I can say that Bechon says if I leave something in the street and I make it on the list, I'm exempt from any damages that happen as a result. How can you say that? Ella rather later Rabbechnon Shahmachaya. is the one who says that you're liable. Like we said earlier. That's what Rabbi Yechna meant to say. He came to exclude. This is a mission. He's only talking about a case like this, where he fell and slipped and fell, and therefore, he, and then he walks away and he leaves it on the list. Then the rabbis say you're exempt. The rabbis argue with Rabbi. But in a case where he placed it there intentionally, like digging a pit, of course you're liable, even if it's on the list. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yechna, Rabbi Yechna, we continue on 38 two things don't belong to you but the Torah says it's yours anyway and one of them is a pit in the Rishus so Rabbi Lazar says clearly that you're liable even if it's ownerless you dug a pit in the street it doesn't belong to you there is quoting Rabbi Rabbi Lazar himself argues with this Rabbi he disagrees. He says no. If you dig a pit in the public domain and it's not yours, you're exempt. You're exempt. Abi Shmo, my Rebbe holds you liable. It's only if you dig a pit that belongs to you, only then are you liable and responsible. Tomorrow we'll continue the mission of Onu Shabbos. Good young tips on the table at the Kasiv is a Kasiv. Limanach Siddhis, a dark Siddhis.